This is Ion Health, delving into your overall well-being. With Arab Health on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are seeing some amazing female entrepreneurs and pioneers when it comes to women's health. But when it comes to men, a lot of them find it very hard to understand and empathize the many health issues that we women can struggle with. But one man says it's key, it's crucial and important for all men to learn more. And that is Rajat Karel, the co-founder of Vardy Health. We are joined now by Rajat Karel, the co-founder of Vardy Health. It's a self-service portal for women's health, and they believe that women's health has been overlooked in so many areas for so many years. Rajat, why do you think the the root cause of that is when it comes to being overlooked in terms of funding, attention, time, expertise? What's the bottom of it? Yeah, so thank you for having me here, firstly. Uh, the first thing I would say is that, thankfully, it's changing, right? So it's changing, it's getting better. Uh, but the reason it has been like this so far is primarily because when it comes to medical research and health, we have, or as medical science, has assumed that men and women are very similar, right? So when you did medical research for the last 100, 200 years, let's say you're talking about diabetes. We said, look, men have insulin, women have insulin. Let's go figure out how to solve for diabetes. Uh, let's say we talk about heart disease or cancer. We said, let's look at heart disease and say, uh, what are the causes of it? Is it cholesterol? Is it lifestyle? Is it certain insulin or other hormones? And how do you address it? This is how historically medical science thought about it. But then what happened was that uh, the US uh, government and various bodies across the world realized that actually men's and women's bodies were different enough to have a material impact on how to think about healthcare. A very simple example is that until about 1990, more men in the US were dying of heart disease than women. And since 1990, say till about 2017, that trend has unfortunately reversed in the sense that as of today, more women in the US and internationally in developed countries die from heart disease. Now, this may come as a shock because most people would not know this because data may not be available. And if it's available, it may not be shared. But there is a very key correlation for it. And the correlation is since the mid 70s or early 80s, women started joining the American workforce in greater numbers. And they did the same in Europe and in other developing countries. And that put their bodies under stress and therefore it caused changes in their lifestyle, which then led to things like heart disease. But heart disease is just one example that we talk about when we think about non-communicable diseases. I know we are in the age of COVID, right? So cannot deny un, you know, communicable diseases, but I mean, till the last Spanish few or MERS, most of the people in the world, 80% plus, actually die of non-communicable diseases. Primarily, it used to be cancer, but now, unfortunately, people are not even, unfortunately, waiting till cancer and things like heart disease, obesity are becoming bigger and bigger drivers of early and premature deaths across the world. In short, women's health needs more focus. It has been underrepresented, underrepresented, and now it's time and it's actually we are even a bit late to make sure that we give it the right focus and attention. 
And this is, um, as you say, kind of ongoing diseases, um, conditions, issues, where women have a different experience of it, a different, a different treatment of it, different drugs often for it. And then you have female-specific issues um, or experiences such as pregnancy, breastfeeding, menopause, menstruating. Do you feel like there'd be more research into, into let's say, breastfeeding if men were the one doing it? <laughs> Yeah, look, I actually, before I answer that question, I actually debated if I should come on this call, if my partner, who's a woman, should come on this call. And if you would have asked me a year ago, the answer I've given was, look, my partner is the expert on women's health. She has whatever qualifications. And because women are underrepresented, she should come and potentially talk here. Now, uh, uh, you know, because of logistics reasons, she couldn't join. But I also felt that it's important for the men to step up and not say that, look, this is some black magic that you don't want to know about. I mean, as a husband and as a father to a four-year-old daughter, I need to know what's happening in my wife and my daughter's life. I can't just say, oh, oh you know, you're PMSing. That's not appropriate. And it's not giving value and you know credibility to all the challenges that my wife goes through on a monthly basis. Oh, so yes, women are Raj, underrepresented. Say it again for the men at the back. Um, but I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, when... Well, I've I've I have a four year old daughter as well. Um, and with my first pregnancy with my with my six year old, my husband, in terms of sex education at school, in terms of understanding um, pregnancy, I think he was playing hockey. He was given the option of you know doing <laughs> playing hockey or or having you know essential information communicated to him in the classroom. So it blew his mind that there were certain things happening in my body, and I think. We we did go to to prenatal classes, and a big part of that was you know to understand more about labour and birth. But a, a bigger part for me was for him to hear from an expert, from a midwife, from a doctor, just what a big deal it is for a woman's body to go through pregnancy, to go through birth. And I, I needed to feel validated, and I think uh, you know a, a lot of women would really thank their partners for picking up a book, for downloading an app, for understanding a little bit more. And it's not asking about sympathy. It's just asking for a greater level of understanding a lot of the time. And unfortunately, you know, this this translates to things in the workplace like shorter maternity leave, not understanding about rooms for breast pumping, for period sick leave, you know, there's a, there's a huge knock-on effect. So I'm really glad to have you as a man on, on this call as well. I think it's I think it's really valuable. And I, I really do thank you for your time and, and your insights from, from that perspective. Tell us a little bit ben, then about, about Vadi Health. What, what, are, what are you looking to address with your portal? Yeah, look, I think we, we, we decided to take this problem head, you know, completely head on. I think a couple of challenges that we've seen so far in terms of how women's health has been addressed is the following. As I said, historically focused on men's health. So we, yes, we wanted to be on women's health. The challenge that we've seen in terms of women's health, particularly so far, is that for all the right reasons, it has been primarily focused on the reproductive element of it, i.e. your period tracking for ovulation, uh, a lot of things around you know, how to give birth, how to help you, IVF, whatnot. And that's an extremely important element of women's health. But we believe that for me and us, that's stage one. I think there are further stages to go beyond. Uh, I'll give you a very simple example. Uh, in terms of the women's body, right? Let's take the example of estrogen. Women know, maybe some men know, that estrogen is the one hormone that turns a girl into a woman. It makes her childbearing. Everyone knows this. But a lot of people do not know that as your estrogen levels vary during your life and during your lifespan, it can also lead to a higher risk of not managing your cholesterol, leading to heart disease and or leading to 
uh, thinning of your bones, which is called osteoporosis. So that is why women after menopause are at a greater risk of heart disease and osteoporosis. So estrogen is not just about reproduction. Our bodies are more complex than what we think. Mm -hmm. So our aim here at Vadi Health is to go beyond the obvious and really go beyond the symptoms to figure out how to help that. And there are three ways that we're trying to address that. Number one is the use of technology. And I'll give you a very simple example. Uh, today, you can do a food tracker or a mood tracker and you can assess how you're feeling. But our aim is to use technology to make it more insightful. For example, we don't care about how many calories you eat because we are not here to judge you on your food intake. What we are here is to understand what drove you to eat that. So for example, if you're supposed to have three meals or five meals a day, and then you ate something at 11 o'clock in the night, were you bored? Were you tired? Were you hungry? Were you stressed? So why did you actually eat? And then once you ate, what did it make you feel? Did you feel sated that, oh, you know, I'm feeling so good? Or did you feel guilty that, you know what? I actually did not need to eat it. And our, our platform is completely focused on starting to correlate the various elements of our body. So our mental health, our physical health, how we feel and what we do. And the other very, very important premise of our website and our, our application is the following. You know, I went to school, I studied physics, chemistry, maths, a typical STEM major. A lot of people study arts, history, but no one studies how to form good habits. We are beaten up on it. You know what? You need to lose five kilos. Or you know what? You need to sleep for eight hours a day. Great. But I have a job. I have a personal life. I have family commitments. I have friends. And I just cannot bring myself to form good habits. And for us, that's a very important element on how to neuroprogram and reset your brain and help you form good habits. Because no one taught us. I'm an engineer. I'm an MBA. But still, I don't know how to do that. So while doing this whole conversation, we also figured out how to help women form better habits. And then the final thing I will say is that it's health is all about three things, cost, quality, and access. If you have the money, you can go to the best doctors in the world and get whatever treatment you want. But health as a public service in some countries or as a private service in other countries is not accessible to everyone. So when we talked about at the beginning of our discussion about under-representation, we're trying to solve it by using digital tools to supplement our multidisciplinary team so that we can be your companion 24-7. Because maybe you can't pay for a health coach and a dietitian and a nutrition nutritionist and a gynecologist and the five other people you need. But if we make half of those things digital and then still supplement them with the experts when needed, we can bring down the cost of it, making it more accessible to people worldwide. Um, of course, at Arab Health, we see a huge number of people coming forward with exciting technologies, with innovations, product development as well. What are some of the innovations when it comes to women's health that you think we can look forward to in the next decade? Yeah, look, I think, uh, I think the science of managing evolution and fertility is interesting. I think with the, all the lifestyle changes, fertility rates are dropping, both for men and women. A lot of people are trying to figure out how to get pregnant and have families. So I think that's one area where technology is starting to play a good role. And that's the part that all the buzz is about, right? Uh, so for example, you have technologies which measure your base body temperature to figure out exactly when you ovulate. So this is the stuff that people are talking about and you'll see a lot of evolution here. But I believe there are things outside it which are unspoken and I think need to be brought into the center. And there is a lot more innovation coming very soon on that. So a couple of examples that I would like to share is one of them is around mental health. 
mental health in general is a big topic and when you combine it with your hormonal fluctuations for a woman it becomes even more complex so marrying emotional health and physical health in the context of a woman is where we see a lot of innovation lot of startups coming in there and the second place where i see a lot of innovation is in other women's health challenges that get less attention a simple example is endometriosis it's a very painful condition that 5% to 10% of women experience there is really no cure it's really about pain management and emotions management and there are a lot of technologies coming that are now going to help screen and help mitigate the the challenges around this and hopefully at some point of time trying to even cure it another example is pcos which is polycystic ovarian syndrome it's not a disease it's a syndrome there are 500 ways you can diagnose it but there is no single way there is no single way of treatment so i think a lot of innovation is going to come around early screening for women and we really need to think about the age of 13 to 14 when the when a girl's body is becoming a woman's body and then continuing from there screening how the hormones are going to fluctuate their implications and then manage them and prevent or even reverse diseases so i really hope that we see some of that in arab health this year but also in the arab health to come and i really hope that us with young daughters are going to be having a, a good experience when it comes to taking charge of their own health and being able to as you say access fantastic experts without without a huge bank loan so thank you to you rajat for joining us from uh, from Badi. really thank really, so really appreciate it thank you for your time and uh, excited to hear what's going to be coming in the future thank you great to have you with us on dubai i103.8 helen farmer with you you're listening to arab health brought to you by arab health more with eye on health coming up on dubai i103.8